Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm, re- I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, May 6th. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 6, and we are at page 80, Paragraph 1. Today's readers are Deb W., Julie R., and Rachel N. M. The reference number for Tuesday, May 5th, is 7528. That's 7528. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will ask Ellen B. to read the 12 steps. Uh, This is Ellen B., uh, compulsive overeater from Maryland. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Ellen, I will now ask Deanna B. to read the 12 traditions. Press star one to unmute. Thank you. This is Deanna B., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, 
Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from a primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Deanna B. How much, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 80, paragraph 1. I will ask Deb to begin reading, and she will be reading four paragraphs, and we will focus our comments on the, uh, third, the second, third, and fourth paragraphs. Thank you, Deb W. Thank you, Katie. This is Deb W., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Oklahoma. Before taking drastic action, which might implicate other people, we secure their consent. If we have obtained permission, have consulted with others, ask God to help, uh, and the drastic step is indicated, we must not shrink. This brings to mind a story about one of our friends. While drinking, he accepted a sum of money from a bitterly hated business rival, giving him no receipt uh, for it. He subsequently denied having received the money, and used the incident as a basis for discrediting the man. The man. He thus used his own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. In fact, his rival was ruined. He felt that he had done a wrong he could not possibly right. 
If he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take away his means of livelihood. What right had he to involve those dependent upon him? How could he possibly make a public statement exonerating his rival? After consulting with his wife and partner, he came to the conclusion that it was better to take those risks than stand before his creator guilty of such ruinous slander. He saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he would soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. He attended church for the first time in many years. After the sermon, he quietly got up and made an explanation. His action met widespread approval, and today he is one of the most trusted citizens of his town. This all happened years ago. Wow, that's a mouthful. Um, I just want to uh, pick out a few things, and I, I know that we will dissect this whole these paragraphs. Um, you know, one of the things that um, I, 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 that struck me is that. Um, he accepted a sum of money, uh, get, and the, he got the money, and no accounting was made by no receipt of having it. So this is now just a, a secret between he and the guy that he bitterly hated. So, you know, there's so many things that happen to us that if nobody knows about it, and not only that if there's one other person, but if it's just something that I did that I know about it, that just kind of, it's not really that important. I mean, who knows anyway? It just kind of, we think, goes away. And, you know, we go, have these years that we live, and, and, and we just kind of push it out of our mind, these things that we did that uh, were not uh, what God would have us do. Um, I was going down to the uh, part, the next part that I was going to talk about. He not only took the money, but he, he accepted it as a means of destroying the reputation of another. And, you know, I tend to, uh, one of my character defects, one of them that I get the guy that I constantly have to work on is I have this little wittiness about me. I I can come back really quick with a, a comment and people laugh at me. And so, you know, one, you know, God has brought to my attention that, you know, I, I tend to destroy somebody else in order to make a funny, uh, just to get a laugh. And, and it's not so funny. And I destroy, I, I do this character assassinating of another person. And I assume since he laughed at it that he thought it was funny, but, you know, it still destroys another person. And, and I'm the one, I'm at fault. Uh, and God had brought that to my uh, attention. I, the part that says, after consulting with his wife and partner, and this is what we learn we have to do when, you know, we decide to go out and uh, make an amends that eases our conscience, but you know, it affects other people. Is we have to let the people that it will affect know, you know, uh, because, um, you know, we can't go out on our own and just all of a sudden decide, oh, okay, I feel so good about this idea of getting this off my conscience that I'm just going to go out and tell it all. And I've done that before, and that was a big disaster. 
um, you know, it's better to take these risks than to stand before the Creator, guilty of such ruinous slander. You know, we are going to have to make an accounting for our behavior on this side or on the other side. And when God brings these thoughts to us, and that's what happens when, you know, we do our inventory, God or our higher power, the things that are necessary for us to look at come to our mind. I mean, it's not, we don't have to search. It actually comes to our mind. Now, if we're so blocked, we can't think of another thing, that uh, of anything that would cause us to, you know, need to make an uh, in, uh, and amends, then we pray about it because there certainly are some things that I have done. I've just stepped them away so far. But, uh, you know, in order to continue living, in order to get out of the food, I have to think about these things. Think about my my history. Think about my behavior and be willing to live life on a different plane. And that's what I'm trusting when I Leave the outcome to God because I don't know whether the person's going to accept it. I don't know what problems or kind of trouble that I'm going to be, but it's a truly a uh, a selfless act that I'm doing as I'm going through these steps to go to another person who's probably totally forgotten all of the stuff that I'd ever done and to ask for their um, to make an apology to them to ask you know, that that they, you know, forgive or, you know, um, accept my ex, my uh, apology. And so I think that I'm going to pass on that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Deb W. Who would like to comment on these uh, paragraphs? This is Bella, can I share? Melissa C. Larry. Okay, I have Bella, Melissa C., and Larry K. Um, is there anybody else before we close that off? Okay, go Suji. ahead, Bella. Oh, Suji. Okay. Okay, we have those four. Bella, go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G., and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. He saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands, or he would soon start drinking again. Wow. Wow. It's so true, because before the program, I thought that I am the only one, that I am responsible not only for myself, but for the whole entire world. And if things are not going the way I wanted and the way I expected, yes, you know, I thought that something is wrong with me. You know, I did so many things and I am so smart and I am so special. So most probably, if things are not going my way, most probably I am not that smart and I am not that special. And where is my ego? Where is my power? And yes, this was the reason why I was always in the food. But thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I am now in the program. And yes, I know that I have the power to choose, to choose the right choice one day at a time. And I am not responsible for the outcome. No, I am not. I have to do the best I can. But I am not running the world. 
No, I am not the, the I don't have the power to run the world, and I am not in charge of what's going on. I am leaving the outcomes in God's hand, and I trust God that God knows what He is doing, even though sometimes I don't understand. But I have the choice to do the best I can one day at a time, and the rest, leaving us. Leaving it up to God. If not, I will go back to the food. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you. Bella and Melissa C., your turn. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And, um, you know, what strikes me this morning is how um, this seems like a, like a, almost a hopeless situation. Um, how can how can this man um make good on this situation um he did something horrible and um and to make the amends now he's putting his family in um at risk and um you know it just makes me think about my own state and my own recovery and um you know that what at one point seemed hopeless and i couldn't think my way out of it, um, the good news is I didn't have to think my way out of it. I could apply the principles of the steps to um, just figure the way out. And, um, you know, and so this particular person's story, you know, ends in a wonderful way. He he did the right thing and and said the right things occurred. And, um, you know, and that's just the beauty of this program, you know, that for me, my disease at one point put me in a corner where I felt completely hopeless and I couldn't see how it could turn any better. And yet, following the principles of the program and the steps, it did. My life has changed for the better. And um, the other thing that I was reflecting on was just how beautiful this making amends is because we're not doing it just to ease our conscience, just to make ourselves feel better. Um, It's not about feeling better. It's about doing better, about being better. And, um, you know, and that's the action of the program. And, you know, so when we make our amends, we're cleaning up our side of the street, but we're not taking our garbage, dumping it on our family side of the street. Or you know, on our children's side of the street, we're we're thinking it through in in a very clear way, and and consulting the people that might be affected, um, you know, and uh, and I'm I'm grateful that I've been able to make some amends. There are some, you know, that um, I, I think are I'm thinking about them now, which is the beauty of being open and willing by higher power that there are new things that pop on the horizon as I have more clarity and more time uh, living this way. Um, And so now I know that, um, you know, with my higher power, I can go and make those things right as best I can. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa C. Larry Kay, you're up. Hey, Katie. Thanks uh, thanks for your service. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. So, again, it, it talks about placing the outcome in God's hands or we would soon start drinking again. You know, if, if in making amends, it's worth remembering that 
the outcome is really none of my business. You know, regardless of what, what I want to happen, regardless of what I expect to happen or what I hope will happen, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. You know, what if I were to allow myself to place the outcome in God's hands and just live my life in the present, you know, absorbing and embracing life as it happens? And, you know, and what we learn in this, in this man's story is that the willingness to act is indeed in our hands, yet the result of that action remains in God's hands, precisely where it belongs. And, and sometimes we're going to, you know, we're going to face uncertainty, you know, which way do I go, you know, left or right? And, and we're often paralyzed by doubt and fear as to, as to what to do. And making uh, uh, step nine amends illustrates for us just how true this is, that after all, we, we want to get this right, you know, we, we want to recover. And sometimes at the core of fear for us is the belief that if we don't get it right, we won't recover. And that scares the, the, the daylights out of us. So we often become paralyzed in uncertainty. And here's the beauty of this process. The secret, you know, to living with uncertainty is to first, of course, ask for God's direction. And next, we learn to sit with the discomfort of uncertainty, which addicts hate to do. I know I hate to do that. Sit with the discomfort of uncertainty. It's like putting, food, putting the food down. We sit with the discomfort of uncertainty. What's going to happen? And since your higher power is now in charge of the outcome of our actions, you know, in making these amends, we no longer need a quick escape from the discomfort that our uncertainty creates. And, you know, I've found that, like, in time, God removes my shadow of doubt and replaces it with the certainty and conviction of faith. And, and here's another, you know, miraculous payoff that's, that's received by the grace of God. You know, each time I sit with the discomfort of uncertainty, asking for God's direction, not shrinking from taking action, you know, then allowing God's result to, to, to unfold, I become more habituated to living my life that way in the future. I, I get used to it. And this process of making amends is like, like jumping into a cold pool of water. You know, if you've ever done that as a kid, at first we're, we're uncertain if we'll be able to face the uncomfortableness of the coldness. And when we finally have the courage to jump in, our brains send us this message, cold, 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 get out, you know. But if we stay in the pool, the water seems to warm up. And, of course, the water's not really getting warmer. It's not getting any warmer. Instead, we become habituated to the discomfort of the coldness. This is the crux of this process in making amends. I'm, I'm grateful for this program. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Sue G., you're up. Hi, Katie and everybody. It's Sue G. from suburban Philly city of sisterly love. I'm grateful today for recovery and for being recovered. I'm, so today, just for today, I'm um, recovered in recovery. There we go. Um, this is an ongoing process, and as has been said so far, it's quite amazing. So, of course, my eyes darted to we must not shrink, um, thinking of uh, life as the ultimate shrinkologist, as a friend of mine used to call me in humorous jest, ha ha. Um, and where does this where does this all fit for today? Well, we've said we're not in charge of the outcome. 
And I kind of look at this whole process that's described on this page. I mean, there are remarkable pages in this big book, and this is one of them. The, these uh, four paragraphs were going from selfish to selfless. And I like to think of this as forgiving. That is two words, forgiving. Uh, I am becoming forgiving with the help of my higher power, with, with the help of some good orderly direction, for want of a better way to put it. We're staying on our side of this. We're not judgmental. And the question that's asked is, what, what is our motivation? And so I was looking at page 83, which has uh, a lot of what my sponsor says to keep in mind every day because it ends with the beginnings of the ninth step promises, which which will come true for us if we work this program. If we break it down, instead of having a breakdown, we break it down into stepwise proportion, which is what we're doing here, too, in our making of amends. So it says we ought to sit down with the family and, frankly, analyze the past as we now see it, being very careful not to criticize them. So we clean house with the family. And what do we do? We ask that our creator show us patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. And so that I'm changing direction. I'm changing from being the world critic, the the, uh, God of my understanding equals to, no, God help you if the God of my understanding or the God of your understanding is Sue. You'll be in big trouble in no time. And and now I can look at it. So I, I like to look at it with a, a touch of humor. So uh, frankly, are we going to do it Frank Sinatra's way all the way or are we going to do it according to the seven-step prayer and the prayer of St. Francis as in the AA 12 and 12, which asks that... that um, God be the channel that I be, that you be, that that God be the channel for thy peace. And which would it be? It, it, we have a choice. We can we can choose which way we're going to do it. Are we going to do it our way or a higher power way? Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Sue. <clears throat> Who else would like to share on this these paragraphs? Amy Shanta H. Okay, I heard, yes, I heard you, Janice P., and then there was an Amy. I didn't get your um, initial. He is an Edward. Okay. Okay, so Amy and, okay, okay. Amy E., Janice P., Santa H., and Vasa O. Okay, go ahead, Amy E. Thank you, Amy E., Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in rural Ohio. Good morning, everybody. Um, I always am amazed at this story in the big book. I just try to put myself in this man's shoes. It just seems like this is a wrong that could never be righted. And the fact that through um, consultation with his family, his business partner, and clearly with his um sponsors or with the other men he was uh, going to uh, AA meetings with, he had an intuitive thought. He was guided to this um, proposition of attending church for the first time in a long time and making a public statement. Um, uh, It's just such an amazing story, and it just shows us um, 
this is the path to finding how we make our amends. It's not something that we go rushing into. Um, it also reminds me of a... Uh, uh, I used to date a guy in college. He was third-generation Italian. His mother used to say to me, babies make their own luck. And I... Uh, believe that about us when we are sincere about trying to make right the wrongs that we've committed, that it creates its own grace. And um, if we're open to that grace, good things will come. Nothing but good happens when we try to be more loving and more kind and to patch things up in the world. Um, It also, just this whole process of being with you fellow visionaries and reading this particular these passages in the big book, it just draws up for me some unresolved things that I need to be a little bit more diligent about in my own amend-making process. Um, I need to make amends to my husband's ex-wife. Um, we had an affair. That's how we got together. And I don't know how to approach her. I'm sure she probably wouldn't want to have a cup of coffee with me. Uh, she knows about me, um, so it's uh, so anybody who's I mean I will give my number at the second, at the end of the second hour of the meeting. But anybody who's got experience with that, I'm consulting you, my fellow visionaries, for any um, approach that might work on something like that. But it's something that um, I don't want to go um, meet my God with that heavy on my heart. Um, so. Uh, this is just such a wonderful, powerful process. It just keeps leading me to a place of more fullness with my higher power and with all of you. And um, thank you for this meeting, I pass. Thank you, Amy E. And Janice P., your turn. Press star one to unmute, Janice. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much. My name is Janice P. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, here we are. We're in step nine, and and I am reminded, and thank you for everything everybody has shared. You know, I'm reminded that, you know, we're not fresh out of the chute here when we get to step nine. We've done some foundation work here by by working the other two through the other steps and to me step nine felt like yet an even deeper commitment and an even deeper surrender to what I was doing you know it gave me a chance to put all the words I've been reading all the thoughts and feelings I've been having all the ways in which I've been transformed thus far into actions now don't you love those old sayings actions Speak louder than words. You know, here I was going to put it to the test. I was going to actually act in ways that reflected this right thought and right path that I was trying to live on. You know, it was like a an even deeper commitment to, to this power greater than me that I was willing to do whatever it took. And this story, you know, why did they include these particular stories? There were lots of stories I'm sure they could have included that had to do with step nine, but they chose this one. They chose this one. And I think that it says to me in many ways, 
some of the beauty of this step nine that that he did ask for help. He didn't go it alone. He did some consulting. He talked with the people who were going to be affected. He got some spiritual guidance from those who had walked ahead of him. And he went in and he did it quietly. He did it quietly. He didn't make this, didn't jump up in church and make this big to-do about it. And his ego screaming, look at me, listen to me, aren't I a wonderful person? He did it quietly. But he did it so that he wouldn't pick up the drink again. You know, he did it so that he wouldn't be ashamed of himself anymore. And he wouldn't try to get rid of that shame by picking up the drink. Just like, I can't live with the shame anymore by picking up the food. It didn't work anymore. But my thinking was being transformed. So I was going to do the things I didn't believe and get the results I couldn't deny. You know, one step at a time, over and over again, working my way through these amends. And what a wonderful process this is. You know, what a wonderful right path this was. Because it's a thinking disease. And my thinking needed to be changed so that I could take these actions. Because it is our thinking that makes us suffer. And getting stuck in that way of thinking led me back to picking up the food over and over again. So here I was. I was going to show some courage. I was going to make a commitment to do these things as difficult as as they looked in order to get the results of standing ever closer to my higher power. You know, and being the kind of person that I know I was then capable of because it was proven to me over and over again that standing in that vulnerable place but not being there alone, that other people had walked ahead of me and that there was a creator. And in God's hands, anything was possible. And I was worthy of that. I was worthy of that. So I hang on tight if you haven't done step nine and it looks so impossible where you're at Hang on, keep working towards it. If my experience means anything, there's wonderful things in store. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. And Santa H., your turn. Good morning, visionaries. My name is Santa H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And thank you, Katie, for your service today. Uh, just so many great shares today and on this immense process. And I just wanted to um, um, just reflect on what was coming up for me and ditto, ditto to all my fellows today what was shared. Um, you know, thank, I'm grateful that this experience is not my experience, but I'm just picturing myself how I can identify in on this because everything in this and this amends process can apply to many, many different areas of my life. Um, but a lot was shared today about the outcome. And I'm so grateful today, and this just reminds me, and we're jumping ahead, but I just think it's important here on page 84, where it says we commit to vigorously commit our way of living as we clean up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow and understand and effect, understanding and effectiveness. And that's why it's so important and I think if I was in this person's shoes that I would be grateful for a sponsor who would not let me sit in step nine and that I have gone on and moved into step 10, 11, 12 um, so that I have gained the maturity uh, in my spiritual walk and awareness to be able to handle 
and consult and have developed a team of people to handle such an amends like this. And this is just reminds me why it's just so important that we cannot sit in these steps. We cannot sit in step nine. You know, we have to continue moving forward. You know, I just had a fellow who just completed her fifth step, and, of course, you know, six, seven, eight, we go quickly, and we're about to hit step nine um, tomorrow. And, you know, I'm just letting her know, you know, we got to keep going forward. And, and the amends process gets all intertwined as we continue working and living in 10, 11, and 12. And the other thing I wanted to mention is that, um, it, you know, what I found for all of my amends today and in the future, that as I am more in tune with my higher power and I'm focusing on, self, on God's will and my self-will, that every decision that I make in, in, the, in this amends process or amends I will have to make, it always turns out for my highest and best good. Because if my intuitiveness was not that clear, I learned a lesson from it. If it was right on, right on target, I grew. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Santa and Vasa O, your turn. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Katie, for your service. And I'm Vasa O, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Massachusetts. And I made a promise to God I would go to any length just not to go back into the food addiction, you know, when I became abstinent years ago. And uh, even, you know, coming to the, to the ninth step, making those amends, taking an action. And as difficult as it was, yes, it was very difficult for me when I put the food down. My friend that I loved and adored for years that made me feel good and made me comfortable. And, yeah, I went very, with very uncomfortable feelings going through the withdrawals, the grief, the sadness. I couldn't take any certain foods back in my life because they, they were poison for my, for my body. And, uh, yeah, I've done many amends, you know, and I still go as I go along, doing 10, 11, and 12 steps, you know. But talking about this person going back to church, uh, you know, trying to make amends to his wife, make it right, I went back to church after many, many years that I hadn't gone to church for years and years after being in recovery. And as a newcomer, I was asked to stand in front of the church and to tell people why I came back, what brought me back to the church after many years. And one of the things was to admit, you know, with my food addiction. And I remember feeling so embarrassed and so embarrassed, you know, because my I was being baptized, like a new baptized in, in, in church, and my husband was there, and my children came, and that, you know, that was even more embarrassing. Well, they knew I'd been in, in, in the 12, in OA for years, but for me to admit, you know, to tell everybody there, you know, what brought me was, you know, but I did go through the uncomfortable feelings, and, and I did touch some people there, so I'm just so, so grateful. But anyways, this is a beautiful program. You know, I, you know, I'm just so blessed and I'm just so grateful that I found that program. And I know at the beginning, I, you know, I was struggling with all kinds of feelings, all kinds of emotions. But God was there to help me. And the people, you know, like all of us here, we try to support each other. We try to encourage 
just to keep going, even if it's hard. Just put one foot in front of the other one. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. <clears throat> and I will now ask Julie R. to read the next two paragraphs. Hi, this is Julie R., recovered in California. The chances are that we have domestic troubles. Perhaps we are mixed up with women in a fashion we wouldn't care to have advertised. We doubt if, in this respect, alcoholics are fundamentally much worse than other people. But drinking does complicate sex relations in the home. After a few years with an alcoholic, a wife gets worn out, resentful, and uncommunicative. How could she be anything else? The husband begins to feel lonely, sorry for himself. He commences to look around in the nightclubs or their equivalent for something besides liquor. Perhaps he is having a secret and exciting affair with the girl who understands. In fairness, we must say that she may understand, but what are we going to do about a thing like that? A man so involved often feels very remorseful at times, especially if he is married to a loyal and courageous girl who has literally gone through hell for him. Whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. If we are sure our wife does not know, should we tell her? Not always, we think. If she knows in a general way that we have been wild, should we tell her in detail? Undoubtedly, we should admit our fault. She may insist on knowing all the particulars. She will want to know who the woman is and where she is. We feel we ought to say to her that we have no right to involve another person. We are sorry for what we have done, and God willing, it shall not be repeated. More than that, we cannot do. We have no right to go further. Though there may be justifiable exceptions, and though we wish to lay down no rule of any sort, we have often found this the best course to take. <clears throat> Again, I'm Julie R., recovered in California. It's funny how God puts um, the right paragraphs to read because um, I was um, the gentleman they were talking about in these paragraphs. And when it came time to make my amends, I had to work with my sponsor to see how can I not cause more harm. Um, yes, my husband knew, but yeah, how far do I go? What do I do? You know, we clean up our past. We don't repeat the actions. And we try to be of service. So this is not an easy amends to make. Um, it's still taking time for to rebuild the trust. But my actions today, living as a woman with integrity, will outshine my past behaviors. And it's, you know, if how how free do I want to be? I know I've said that um, the last time I shared, but it's true. Do I want to stay recovered? Do I want to stay being of service? Do I want to stay being um, authentic? Then I must clean up my past. But again, did I involve another person? Um, did I have to go into great detail to cause more harm? No, but I had to clean up my side of the street. Um, this is something that I work with my sponsor with because it's not like I came home and blurted out, hey, you know, for six years I've been doing this. No, I had to do it the right way. And um, we have to be true. We have to be sincere 
we have to stop the behavior. And I cannot stop that behavior without having my creator with me every step of the way. So we are sorry for what we have done, and God willing, it shall not be repeated. Because it's, I, I can't go, like when I was a kid, go to confession on Saturday and then think I have a clean slate from Sunday to Friday. That's what I used to do. Okay, I can do all of this stuff, break all of the rules, and then just go in and ask for forgiveness. It doesn't work that way. So I can say through this program, through going through the steps, through really following this book to a T, I am a woman of integrity today. And it's only because of going through this process and having a spiritual transformation. So yes, it's a daunting and hard process, but it's got to be done quick. I couldn't just keep that inside, or I would probably be almost 300 pounds again. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Julie R. Uh, who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? Reva P. Anne Marie. Reva P. Okay, Sarah. I heard Reva P. Sarah W. Anne Marie. Josephine. Josephine. Okay, uh, that's about all we'll have time for. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Reva P., Sarah W., Anne-Marie, and Josephine. Reva P., go ahead. Hi, this is Reva P., a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, What I wanted to share on is having domestic troubles, Um, and that reminds me that in my disease, I hurt the people who I loved the most, uh, the people who were closest to me. Um, And it also reminds me that I hurt people by what I do, like having temper tantrums, slamming doors, um, and, um, yeah, yelling at everybody if things don't go my way. And I also hurt people by the things I don't do, uh, not showing up for people because I'm all binged out and uh, just can't get myself to an event, not being able to be present um, and listening to the people who I love the most, um, And it's just a good reminder that uh, program is in all my affairs, including my family. It's not just when I walk out the door or when I'm at a meeting or with fellow um, compulsive overeaters. It starts right here at home um, with the people who I do love the most and who I um, did and continue to um, make um, amends to for my behavior. And that's all. Thank you. Thank you, Reva P. Sarah W., your turn. Thank you, Katie, for your service. This is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader. You know, justice is what this is all about. And for me, um, you know, not only did I do many things in my eating years, but many things I did in my recovery years um, and still continue to struggle with. Uh, that's why that 10 step is there. And that's also why I have to remember that I'm a, a human being and that I, that I am going to make mistakes. The other side of it is that I can't change my past. And I have to accept that. And I have to have forgiveness for myself 
but I also have to be hard enough on myself to be willing to own up and be responsible. You know, the whole thing for me is really about growing up. Uh, It's about taking responsibility. It's about being a person that has dignity and integrity. And um, what I've realized recently is that uh, as anything comes up in my mind that starts to sit with me at all, uh, a discomfort that I need to address it immediately, Uh, you know, whether it be doing a, a thorough four through nine or doing a spot check inventory, and it's, uh, you know, I just can't do without it. I I have to do it. And, um, you know, the three parts I heard the other day, and I just want to repeat them because it was such a wonderful way to hear it, of the ninth step is an apology, a self-correction, and reparations. And I have to remember that, you know, living amends um, are so important. And to be cautious not to offer a person the idea that I'm going to do it perfectly because I can't. I don't have that capability. I can pray for the help of my higher power. And I can really make all the efforts to act as if in the opposite of the defect. But the reality is that I'm human and that I will fail at times and that I truly want to do better. And, you know, walking along with a sponsor and with other people in recovery it makes it a lot more doable, and it is a better life today that I lead in recovery and in abstinence than I ever had before, and I'm so grateful for that. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. Anne-Marie, your turn. Hi, this is Anne-Marie M., a recovery compulsive eater in South Carolina. Hi, um... You know, what I thought here was the importance of doing this step with my sponsor. Um, with every amends that I made, um, I no matter how um, small the amends might be, I needed to check it out with my sponsor and to make sure that was I hurting someone else um, and or was I trying to evade the amends because in my mind I was thinking I might hurt someone else. So it was always important for me to check check out with someone else um, uh, about the amends. And the other thing that um, I heard that was alluded to was not to stay in um, the, knowing that God has forgiven me. I need to to go on and not to beat myself up all the time. Um, When I ask for forgiveness, I trust that God does forgive me. So who am I to stay in the the self-pity? Because that's what it is for me when I'm feeling sorry for myself, when 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 I'm feeling over and over again that I'm a bad person because I did this. If I only had done that. And um, God is God is so much more powerful than I am, and once He forgives me, He forgives me. So there's no need for me to rehash why did I do this, or why didn't I do that. Um, it's senseless and it's it's self-centeredness. And uh, the more I stay in it, the, the the more trouble I could get in. So it's really important that I know that God has forgiven me and to get on with it. 
and to focus on doing the next right thing. And God will guide me. And God has put people in my life, I say this all the time, I am blessed by the people that God has put in my life. And so I am to use them. That That's God's purpose for me to be able to reach out and to help use the p- people that have um, he, put, he has put in my life. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. Josephine, your turn. Thank you, Katie. Good morning, everyone. This is Josephine G. from Chicago. Uh, and I'm just glad to be with you on this phone this morning. Um, and I think between everything that was read, what stands out to me is the discernment um, that's going on in both situations, kind of discerning the boundaries of the relationship, discerning the relationships in general, and the best way to act that's best for the common good. So to stay recovered um, has that aspect of serving the other. Um, so in our, even in our amends, we want to be of service. And so that really stood out to me here, and it kind of made me flash back to the first time I was working Step 9. My sponsor was great about that discernment. And at the time, it was frustrating because I wanted to rush through it and get it done because it felt so uncomfortable uh, that I wanted to hurry. Um, but she was constantly asking me discerning questions, um, you know, before I acted to think about my boundaries. And uh, I was remembering, as we've been sharing and reading, uh, when I graduated from high school, we all had to put a quote in the yearbook. And my quote, I think, was, deeply, deeply characteristic of my addict mind. My quote was, rules are meant to be followed, but there are exceptions, and I am one of them. And so that quote was an indicator that I was in my life raging against the boundaries established by my God. Um, As a creature and by my creator, I'm finite, and that means that there are boundaries in everything that I do and everything that I experience, um, and God's will informs me of those boundaries. Um, And so it's something that I'm coming to learn, and as we've read these paragraphs, I really see that, you know, the husband discerns what's the boundary in his relationship with his wife when he comes clean about his affair. Uh, The businessman discerns, you know, what are the boundaries when he admits to um, the dishonesty in his business dealings. You know, what, how does it affect his wife? How does it affect his partner? So there's this constant discernment as a creature um, on what does God, how does God want me to behave? Where does that begin? Where does that end? Um, so, again, thank you for all being here, for all sharing. It was really helpful for me this morning, uh, especially where I am in my day and my life today. Uh, and with that, I'll pass. Well, thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Rachel and M please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Rachel and M. I'm a thankful, recovered, compulsive overeater and anorexic. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. 
Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We will be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you shall surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. I pass.